The state of Illinois gets its first credit upgrade in more than 20 years, while the state's economy is showing signs of bouncing back. And college athletes could start getting paid for endorsements and personal appearances. We'll talk about all that on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and with me here today is our State House Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. Jerry, probably the biggest news of the week came when Moody's Investors Service, that's one of the credit rating agencies that the state deals with, announced that it actually upgraded the state's credit rating. When the news came out, Governor J.B. Prisker rather hastily called a news conference to boast about it. Let's hear part of what the governor had to say. Make no mistake, despite all the challenges of the last year, after eight credit downgrades our state suffered under my predecessor, I say with full certainty Illinois' fiscal condition is heading in the right direction for the first time in the 21st century. Now, Jerry, to hear him talk about it, you would think this was a really big deal and that the state had really improved Uh, The fact of the matter is Illinois has kind of been the target of jokes and ridicule for a number of years because its credit rating uh, was just one notch above junk status. Now we're two notches above junk status, but I guess that's better than moving in the other direction. Uh, How big of a deal do you think this really is? So we're still a couple notches behind the second worst state, which I believe is New Jersey. Um, And so, you know, it's a big deal for Illinois. Just any positive news is a big deal when you've had such a sustained just downward arc in, in terms of the credit rating. I think there were seven downgrades under former Governor Rauner, a couple under Governor Quinn. I mean, it's there's there's just so many fiscal pressures that this is good news. I think you noted uh, the governor in response to your questions at his news conference said uh, there's this will save t- at least in the tens of millions when we go out in the bond market. So, I mean, that's good news uh, no matter which way you look at it, but we got a long way to go. Uh, and so under Governor Rauner, the state famously went for two years without an approved budget. Uh, which caused all kinds of financial problems. And as you said, the credit rating was downgraded. But this didn't exactly begin with Governor Rauner. I mean, the fact that the state has a massive unfunded pension obligations, uh, it already has a pretty sizable debt load. Uh, interest is kind of what quantifies risk. And when investors were looking at buying Illinois bonds, although the state has never defaulted on bonds, and I don't think any state really has since the Great Depression. Uh, But still, investors looked at that and said, Illinois is a bit of a risky bet. Uh, At least now we're moving in the other direction, though. Uh, Do we expect to hear similar news from the other rating agencies like uh, S&P and Fitch? Sure, I can't speak to what they're going to do, but they did change their uh, outlooks, uh, not the credit rating, but the outlooks to positive from negative uh, previously. But um, one thing that that Moody's noted uh, in their report, as you noted in your reporting, was that the 
pressures from the pension fund, which continues to build unfunded liability despite Illinois making its statutory payments to it, uh, the pressures are still enormous. Uh, I think some somewhere around a quarter of the budget goes to the pension fund, and that's still an actuarially short number uh, than what is needed to keep the unfunded liabilities down. So, And Moody's did note that uh, even though we're making the statutory uh, payments into the funds, uh, the statute really kind of shortchanges the funds. And we're on this big, long slope called the Edgar Ramp, uh, I guess named after former Governor Jim Edgar, uh, so that we will gradually get uh, to where we need to be by about the year 2045. Uh, I don't plan to still be working at that point. <laughs> I'm not sure you do either. But uh, at some point, I mean, you talk about the amount of the budget that goes into it. That has to keep going up uh, through about the next 20, 25 years. Right. And uh, the governor sort of scoffed at that question when I tried to ask it to him at the news conference and said, you know, the Edgar Ramp is, is going to get us there. But there are some questions about that. And uh, one thing I always like to point out about the Edgar Ramp is it made it very easy for Governor Edgar when he was governor. I think it was 2 or 4% or something. Yeah, because uh, he started out. Right. At the bottom of the ramp. It started real low um, when he was governor, and he made it very easy for himself uh, with that uh, ramp. Meanwhile, uh, new economic numbers came out recently that showed the state's economy grew at a 6.4% annual clip during the first quarter. Uh, kind of hard to tell if that's really the result of the economy bouncing back or if that was the infusion of a lot of federal money into the economy. I spoke with Todd Meisch, the president and CEO of the Illinois Chamber of Commerce, which tends to take a uh, rather uh, conservative view of all this, and here's what he had to say. I think that is substantially uh, stimulus, which means borrowing money from China and throwing it into the Illinois economy. So as much as Biden wants to spend more and more trillions of dollars, uh, there's no substitute for basic demand in the economy, and we are still lacking that. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so he says it's largely the result of federal stimulus. But I have to say, you know, we walk around town, uh, you travel around the state, it you do sort of get the feeling that things are coming back. You see people in stores now. Uh, we've had music festivals going on in downtown Springfield. Uh, what sort of sense are you getting about that? Yeah, we had visitors uh, in town a couple weeks back, and they tried to get a hotel on, on short notice. And everything was booked up in Springfield. Couldn't get a reservation at uh, Saputo's, which is a good Italian restaurant down here. So um, economic activity is coming back. Uh, the stimulus certainly played a role in that. You don't just give people whatever it was, the thousands of dollars to spend and, and think the economy isn't going to be affected, because it certainly will. Um, I think um, the unemployment... Uh, added unemployment benefit is, is helpful to people who've been out of work too, to sort of sustain a level of economic activity that you might not have gotten um, without this in, in this disastrous scenario. So, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly uh, relevance to both points. Okay. And that really was the point of the stimulus money uh, when businesses were ordered to shut down and workers were ordered to stay home. Uh, it was intended to prevent the economy from com 
completely collapsing in on itself, and it does seem to have worked. Uh, I guess the question now is whether or not that kind of growth rate can sustain itself uh, when the federal stimulus, eventually it has to end. Uh, they can't keep paying out money like this. What's your sense of that? Yeah, you know, uh, it's out of my realm of expertise to be able to predict that, but it's certainly something we're going to observe through the various uh, government reports and whatnot. And there has been a lot of talk, uh, disagreement, I guess, about the impact that the enhanced unemployment benefits have had. Some people say that that has been an incentive for people not to go back to work. Others say that, you know, it's still too early for a lot of people to go back to work, especially uh, those who have to have child care uh, while they're at work. Um, so, and I'm just sort of wondering, you know, what's the consensus around here? I mean, are the unemployment benefits helping or hurting? Uh, you know, it, that answer will almost completely be completely different depending on which party the person you ask is from. I, I've spoken to Republicans who say, you know, the added $300, while it's not the state paying it out, um, it's paid out completely by the federal government, but it's keeping people in the system that otherwise would have to go out and find work. So that's uh, that's the Republican point on that. The Democrats are saying, you know, it's a lifeline for people uh, who've kept, who've sort of done the jobs uh, in the pandemic that, you know, we needed to do, um, but may have otherwise fallen on some bad luck due to the pandemic. Uh, and it's that lifeline that they need um, to keep things from collapsing. So it's a very partisan uh, opinion on that. Okay. Some states have already started uh, cutting off those enhanced benefits Illinois is not among them. I uh, haven't heard that much of a hue and cry, even from Republicans here, about how we should you know, cut that off. Yeah, Republicans Republicans have held news conference saying to, to cut that out, um, but there's no will among Democrats to do that. And so while we've, uh, they've been paying that money out, uh, it's important to note that the, the money comes from a thing called the Unemployment Trust Fund, which each state has to maintain uh illinois is now in some trouble as are a number of other states uh the unem <coughs> the trust fund is now in the red uh can we tell can you tell how how much of a financial hole the trust fund is in yeah it's at least uh going to be about five billion dollars uh at the end of this year according to what the department of employment security has told me uh, uh business interests seem to think it could go up to as high as eight billion dollars um but the fact is the highest we have really recorded was about 2.3 billion dollars the year after the financial crisis of 2008 and there was uh, some some decreases to unemployment benefits, some increase in taxes on employers, and then there was some bonds taken out to pay down that backlog at that time. Uh, you know, business interests tell me that, that you can't use that same solution now. It's just too big a problem. So they're urging the state to use some of the remaining uh, federal American Rescue Plan funding, which there is about five-plus billion dollars remaining from that, and they want most of that to go to this deficit. Um, but then, you know, there also seems to be some hope among Democrats, at least, that uh, President Biden and, and Congress might come through with specific funding to pay down or, I guess, forgive debt on some of the unemployment trust fund deficit. So 
they got to get cracking on on fixing that pretty soon, or they're going to start accruing some major interest payments to the federal government. Okay, and it's an you mentioned the uh, business taxes. Unemployment insurance is just that. It's insurance, and employers have to pay monthly premiums on, uh, to acquire that insurance. Uh, and it, it seems kind of unfair to put it back on them because they laid workers off uh, because they were told to by the state, and the state ordered it because the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization were telling them this is what you have to do to stop the pandemic. Uh, but now it looks like businesses are going to be asked to pay in to help pay down that deficit. Yeah, there's the potential of a of a basically a tax increase from 0.6% up to 6%, which would just be massive. Uh, business interests I've spoken to said it's basically a $500 million tax increase and a $500 million decrease to benefits. Okay. Well, the other big news this week, Illinois joined a growing trend among states by allowing college athletes to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Here's Governor Pritzker again as he was about to sign the bill at the uh, basketball arena at the University of Illinois campus in Urbana-Champaign. When I sign this bill into law, Illinois will lead the United States in giving student athletes the opportunity to sign endorsement deals of their own, joining a growing coalition of states leading the fight for innovation in our modern collegiate sports system. Let me be clear, Illinois is now at the forefront of this movement, yet another reason for student athletes to choose Illinois for college. So Illinois remained at the forefront for a couple of days, it seems like. But uh, July 1st, uh, not, not only did that law in Illinois take effect, but a lot of other states had passed similar legislation. And so we saw uh, on July 1st, the NCAA, NCAA came out uh, with its own temporary rules trying to make this uniform. Uh, I guess it, it should be noted uh that you and I both follow college sports. However, we do follow different colleges. Um, but nevertheless, how does this really change the nature of college athletics? Do you think it'll it'll have a major impact? I think um, certainly on the lives of of the collegiate athletes. Um, the governor had noted in his speech it might take some pressure off the. You know, the junior who's got a chance of going pro might not be a top pick, but they also want to finish their degree. If they can get a little cash to, I don't know, support their family, do whatever they need to support themselves, uh, that's a big deal. It, it, it could allow them to get that degree that they might have uh, put off otherwise. But um, it, the Illinois law also has all sorts of protections as to where, you know, the the you, um, the NCAA changed their rules. But in states where, you know, you don't have the, the specific things spelled out about, you know, hiring an agent or or the fact that I think the contract, if it's over a certain dollar amount, has to be on on file with the university. Um, it's 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 some level of protections that you might not see in other states. And then the other thing is, uh, would the NCAA have made this decision if the 20 or so states that passed these laws hadn't done that? They all did so hoping to force the hand of the NCAA that's held such a grip on preventing this for so long. Well, and the 
NCAA also just lost a major case at the U.S. Supreme Court. It didn't quite touch on the issue of direct compensation, uh, but I, I believe you wrote a little bit about this. Uh, how did the court weigh in on this? Yeah, it was, I touched on that very briefly, but it basically re, um, applied to education benefits. And I think you had brought up that uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh had a pretty striking uh Opinion, and I'm not 100% sure what that was. Concurring opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he basically just said, you know, the way the NCAA operates, it would be illegal in almost any other industry. I mean, it does operate like a monopoly. And while it didn't touch on the issue of compensation, that issue is also wending its way through the courts, uh, and it looks like it could reach the Supreme Court at some point in the next year or two. Um so Illinois is not, we're not paying athletes directly for their athletic performance. Uh, but I think as the governor noted, this isn't just the star quarterback or the star forward on your basketball team. Uh, this is even like women's tennis players uh, can go back to their hometowns in the summertime and, you know, teach a tennis camp to youth. Right. Uh, it, it really does go all the way up and down the line. Yeah, there was a women's uh, basketball player there. Um, I think Eva Rubin was her name. She said, you know, I, I've, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I do outreach in that community. She said, this is going to open up so many uh, potential partnerships for me in that area to where I can give back to my community with what I'm able to, with a little bit of uh, notability I've, I've built for myself at the U of I. And the NCAA's concern all along has been that they wanted to maintain the integrity of so-called amateur sports. Uh, I guess in my mind, amateurism kind of went out as soon as we started allowing NBA stars to play in the Olympics. Uh, but is it fair to call this amateur sports? I mean, the universities are making tub loads of money off, off these athletes and the athletes aren't getting compensated for it, except in the form of an education. Yeah, that's the that's the crux and the change of mindset. I think over the past several years is, is just I mean it's it's completely exploitative. You see the highest paid public uh, employees in in every state is the, basically the football coach, at least in the in the states with viable programs. I think Lovey Smith, terrible record at the U of I, just paid paid boatloads more than anybody else you could look at. Yeah. Uh, Football coaches, basketball coaches, uh, athletic directors are all being paid in the millions, uh, often a lot more than the presidents and chancellors of their universities are getting paid. Yeah, the player I like to bring up, I think his name was uh, Kevin Ware. He played for Louisville, uh, NCAA tournament a couple of years back. He His leg essentially snapped in half. One of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen on the basketball court, lost a scholarship the next year. So, I mean, it's a pretty cutthroat uh, world and you know, to, to allow these people to not be paid by the university, but, uh, earn, earn, uh, money for their image and likeness. I think that's, I think that's reasonable. Okay. Well, I guess we'll be paying attention to that as college football season is, uh, about two months away, uh, followed shortly by basketball season. And if you're from the university of Kansas, that's the one you really care about. Uh, we try not to Pay too much attention <laughs> to the football. Our uh, our listeners still haven't forgiven Bill Self, Peter. Okay, well, uh, as I say, North Carolina stole our coach, so we stole Illinois' coach. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Capital Cast. 
Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying stay safe and thank you for listening.